Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Today I want us to continue to talk about the Beatitudes. Jesus comes after his baptism, after his time in the wilderness, in the 40 days of fasting and the temptation by the enemy, and now he announces that the kingdom has come. And so what does he say? What's the first thing he says? And here in Matthew chapter 5, he begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are they who... And you have nine statements. We did the first three in a previous podcast, and now I want to do the second three today. And as we look at Matthew uh, chapter 5, uh, verses uh, 6, 7, and 8, we're going to see the middle three Beatitudes, the blesseds. So here we are. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So as we look at these middle three blesseds, and we begin to consider the character and nature of the person that, that God is calling into his kingdom, what, 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 if you were to join a company, what is that company? What kind of employees does that company want? And they might have a vision statement. They might have a mission statement. They might have an ethical code. And in all these things, they're trying to portray themselves as a unified organization. So as Jesus comes and says, well, this is the kingdom of God has come. Who is it that's invited into the kingdom of God? What kind of people? And the first thing he lists here are the first three. We got the poor in spirit, those who mourn, and the meek. And this really points to people who are humble. But as we get to the middle three here, we've got blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, as we're looking for that, what is the middle three on the list? If we've got hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful and uh, pure in heart, these are devoted to people who love God and others, and they have compassion. So we're looking for compassionate people here. And I think as we begin to look at compassionate people, we can see one of the problems that we really have with so-called religious people. Look at this word here that Jesus uses right here in the beginning here. Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? And righteousness, we have a problem with that. We, we associate that word so often in our popular culture with self-righteousness and people who are self-righteous, or are, uh, are people who think that they're better than everybody else. And what is this word righteousness really referring to? It's referring to people who are right, right? And, and that almost sets itself up as an outside source. So you think you're right and I'm wrong. And we get into this dualistic thinking immediately. And so the word righteousness really comes with a lot of judgment attached to it. Um, I don't think Jesus intends it in that way. I think 
when I think of righteousness, I think of the idea of being right, okay, but right based on who, based on what? Proving to you that I'm right? Proving to God that I'm right? I think it has a different kind of meaning, and I think Jesus is coming at us here, especially when you take it in context with the first three Beatitudes, which are talking about you know, meekness and, and humility. When you look at right, uh, rightness in that way, now, what are we really looking towards? I think we're looking towards who is the you that you're supposed to be? I think this is one of the great lies of those who are agnostics or atheists or um, those who uh, stand outside of the church and judge the church and say, you know what, you guys have just made up your own standards and are condemning everybody else by those standards. And really, there is no real right or wrong. And they, and they take a very pragmatic view of life. And uh, I, think this isn't, I think this isn't true. I think that what is true is that each one of us knows what we're supposed to be like. Each one of you listening to my voice right now has in his or her mind an idea of the you you're supposed to be. And you know that you're not that person. It's not that you've disappointed me or you've disappointed your spouse or you've disappointed your children or that you've disappointed your parents or that you've disappointed your community. It's that you've disappointed yourself. You have failed to live up to who you believe you're supposed to be. And I think we all have. And, that, and for that reason, we need to hold ourselves with some humility here. But as we look to righteousness, he says, Blessed are those who not, listen to this, not blessed are those who are righteous. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He says, come on into the kingdom, you guys who want to become who you're supposed to be, because you're going to be satisfied. You're going to succeed if this is your goal. If, the, if your goal is to become righteous, if your goal is to become who God made you to be, then you can get there. Now, what most of us have done is we've given up on this ideal. And what we've, what we've settled for instead is proving to my neighbor that I'm righteous, proving to my community that I'm righteous, proving to my spouse that I'm righteous. And I'm trying to hide the fact that I'm not righteous. I'm hiding the fact that I'm not all that I'm supposed to be. And, I, and I'm settling for this lie. And so Jesus comes and he says, well, blessed are those who aren't settling for the lie. You guys who really want to become who you've been called to be, come to the kingdom. And happy are you because you will be satisfied. That's the journey I'm taking you on. I'm taking you on a journey to make you who you're supposed to be. It's not a self-help book actualization process. It's a come to my kingdom, come with me, follow me, and you will become who you were called to be. So this is the first beatitude here in this second section of three. And it follows up then with the next one in verse seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And this Again, it sets up who are, who are we called to be? What kind of person is righteous in this kingdom? What does rightness look like? And it looks like people who are merciful. 
We already know, we just discussed the fact that we know we're not who we're called to be. And so when we look at truth and justice, the last thing we want is justice. We don't want to be judged based on even what we believe we ourselves should have done. Never mind an outside uh, source of judgment, you know, like an almighty God holding us accountable to what he thinks we should have done, or even my neighbor, my spouse, my parents, my children holding me accountable to what they think I should have done or the kind of person I should be. I certainly don't want those things, but even if I was held accountable to myself, I don't even want justice then because I've already let myself down multiple times a day. I'm never quite everything I think I should be. And do I want justice? Do I want to be judged on that? Or do I want mercy? Do I want to come back to God and say, give me one more day. Give me one more try. Give me one more chance to live life the way you're calling me to live it, the way you created me to be. Can I have one more chance to do that? And so if we want that, then we should give that. And certainly, Jesus has many parables around this idea, the most famous one being the one where uh, he tells the story of the ruler who called the man to him and said, you, you, know, you, you owe me thousands of talents of uh, you know, truckloads of money, and you could never pay me back, and so I'm just going to throw you and your entire family in, in prison. And he begs mercy, saying, give me a chance, I'll pay you back. And the, and the ruler has mercy on him and says, well, okay, I'll, I'll forgive your debt. And then the man immediately runs out, grabs a servant who owed him just a day's wages, nothing like what he owed the ruler, and takes him by the throat and says, you've got to pay me everything right now. And the guy says, please give me a chance, I'll pay you. He says, no, I'm not giving you a chance. I'm throwing you into the jailer and you're going to stay in prison until you pay me every last penny. And the servant saw this and knew that it wasn't right. And they went to the ruler and said, Hey, that dude that you showed mercy on, he's, he's gone and, and, and been unmerciful to somebody else. And so the king called him in and said, So you didn't show mercy? Well, then I'm not showing mercy to you. And here's the story. And the story is meant to show us who God's calling us to be. God himself is merciful. He has shown us tremendous mercy every day. Every day we live in rebellion against him, against each other, against ourselves, against the environment that he's created us to, to rule over. You just look at the world. We've showed no respect for the world. We've showed no respect for the res natural resources of the world. We've no, showed no respect for animals. We've showed no respect for our fellow human beings. And still, God, in his patient mercy, just gives us another day and another day and another day as he calls us to come back to him and become the people that we were called to be. And as he keeps showing us mercy, uh, we, we keep spurning him and then show no mercy on anybody else. And he says, in my kingdom, we show mercy. That's what we do. That's the kind of loving people that we are. And there's two things about that I want you to see. Number one is... You know, if you don't want to be judged harshly by, by God, then you shouldn't judge other people harshly. That's the, that's the point of the, the parable that Jesus gave. But the other thing 
that we totally miss here. And this is why is God like this in the first place? Why is God merciful in the first place? Why is this his tact? Why is this the strategy that he's using? And the answer is because that's the strategy that actually works. All right? Look at this. If we say, you know, what if God just came down and just punished everybody flat out for everything that they deserve to be punished for? Wouldn't we all just straighten up? If he just came back with a big sword and a big stick in his hand and started smacking everybody around because they certainly deserve it, wouldn't we all just become the people that we're supposed to be? And the answer is, no, we wouldn't. What we would become is fearful. We wouldn't become loving, beautiful people. We would be fearful, cowardly people. And we would act in the right way out of self-preservation. We would act outwardly in a righteous way, but inwardly we would just be full of fear, waiting uh, to make the wrong move and get hit with the big stick. And that's not who Jesus wants us to become. And when we go back to the first one, you know, is we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And he's going to give us righteousness. What does that look like? It looks like making us right. It looks like making us as loving and beautiful as he is. That the things that we do and the things that we say, we do and we say because we are loving and gracious people. How can we become loving and gracious? Not with a big stick. If he hits us with a big stick, we just become fearful. But as he gives us mercy and love, we have the opportunity to become loving and merciful as he is. And we as human beings undervalue the power of love. We under massively undervalue the power of mercy. We're always afraid as we're interacting with our neighbor who has wronged us and we're thinking, if I don't say something, He's just going to take advantage of me. If I don't say something, if I don't do something, if I don't punish him, if I don't set him straight, then, then he's, he's, not going to, he's not going to behave correctly. And we're afraid to forgive people. We're afraid to forgive people because we're afraid that they won't treat us well, that they'll take advantage of us, that they, um, that they won't become what we want them to become, the loving good neighbors that we want them to be, the loving good spouse that we want him or her to be. And so we don't forgive and we don't let things slide. And forgiving isn't just letting things slide, by the way, but that's what it feels like to us in the moment as we're faced with somebody who's doing wrong and we just think, man, I need to hit them over the head about that. That's the wrong thing to do. But if we want to make them fearful, then yes, we can hit them over the head. But if we want to make them as loving and beautiful as our Heavenly Father has called them to be, then the way to get them there is to show them mercy. And it doesn't mean to overlook an offense. It's to look straight at the offense and offer forgiveness, offer restoration, offer love, and offer grace. That could potentially cost us. It costs Jesus his life. And so as we look at this power of love and mercy... Being merciful is the way to become like God because he is merciful. And is God an open wound of love because of the mercy that he's shown? Yes, he is. He looks down at this broken world every single moment of every single day, knowing all of our thoughts, knowing how evil they are, 
knowing all of our actions, knowing how many people are being brutalized right now in all kinds of terrible ways, and yet he keeps going, he keeps loving, he keeps calling, he keeps drawing us to himself because he is merciful. And blessed are you if you will be merciful like him. As we move on to verse 8, we see, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We're on this journey into God's kingdom. Jesus has called us and said, Happy are you or blessed are you if you will do these things and then you'll get these rewards. And when you come around to pure of heart, you come around to seeing God. When we live in fear, when we live in fear because we know that we're not righteous, we know that we're not merciful, and we live in fear of being judged, we live in fear of not getting what we want, we live in fear of a God who we do not know and we do not understand. When we misunderstand his love and his grace, then we are not pure. When we believe that we have to manipulate others in order to get what we want, then we live in fear of not getting what we want. What if I'm not good enough to manipulate them? <laughs> what if I'm not good enough to wrestle away from the world the things that I think I need in order to be happy? This all leads to impurity, unrighteousness. When I turn to God, I see him for who he is, as pure and loving. And I know that he has had mercy on me. I know that he is righteous in himself, and he offers that righteousness to me to make me what I'm supposed to be. And when I can turn to him and love him as he loves me, and I can love you as he loves me, then I become more and more, I take on this purity of heart. A pure heart is a heart that's not divided. A divided heart is one that holds on to the things of the world because I think I have to have the things of the world. I need money. I need prestige. I need other people's respect. And I need God's help, God's blessing, God's forgiveness, God's grace. I hold on to both of these things, and my heart is divided. Because in order to get the one, the things of the world, I have to manipulate, and I have to cajole, and I have to force, and I have to grab, and I have to take. In order to get the things of the kingdom, to get the things of God, I have to wait. I have to wait on a good and loving God who is already ready to give me the things that I need. And I have to rest and be at peace and not seek my own way and be selfish and grabbing and conniving and manipulative. And so as I cease from these things and I have an undivided heart, then I have a pure heart, a heart that is whole and a heart that is centered on him and him alone. And as I can do that, as I can center my heart on him and him alone, then I begin to hear his voice and see him not only in the Bible when I open it up and read the words that he's given us, but I see him and hear his voice in you, I see him and hear his voice in others. I see and hear his voice in people who are beautiful and doing well. I see him and hear his voice in people who are broken and sad, uh, lazy and evil. And I still hear his voice and I still see him at work even among the very broken. I see him and hear his voice 
in nature, in all of its beauty, and in all of its brokenness. The angels are around the throne, and Isaiah sees them in chapter 6. And as the angels are singing, as Isaiah sees this great vision of the throne of God, and they sing, Holy, 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 the whole earth is filled with his glory. And you and I look around this earth, and we see brokenness and misery and despair. We see pollution. We see manipulative people, small-minded people hurting others for their own gratification. And we think, where is the Lord in all that? The angels with unveiled faces see only God at work. And as you and I become pure in heart, centering ourselves on God alone, he reveals himself to us, and we see him everywhere we look in this world. In all the brokenness, his beauty is there, calling us, drawing us to his kingdom, which is everlasting and everlasting. So I I pray that you're able to continue on this journey And as you look at the first three uh, Beatitudes and you see this lesson of humility and teachability, you go to the second three Beatitudes and you see this lesson of love and compassion. And that's going to call us to the next three Beatitudes. And the next time when we look, when we're going to see the real character of the kingdom come forth. And as we see that kingdom of love and a kingdom of of reaching out and calling others into his kingdom. We become as loving as he is, as we become the peacemakers and the sons of God. So I'll see you then. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.